0: Welcome to Passion and Hustle Podcast, a platform for fresh and honest stories from successful entrepreneurs, self-driven freelancers, and motivated individuals that are here to help encourage you to hustle and turn your passion project into reality. In today's episode, we are excited to welcome an LGBTQ plus wellbeing advocate, somebody who has overcame a series of life-changing events and mental health challenges, who is excited to share his story with us today. Stepping aside from his flourishing career in the creative industry, we speak about how our guest has developed his non-profit organization. In today's episode, we speak about We Create Space, a self-empowerment platform run by a queer collective of changemakers. Our guest works with businesses and organizations to help promote the importance of prioritizing self-care and personal growth alongside career ambition and professional development. Today's episode will be hosted by myself, Alex Jones. So without any more suspense, we would love to welcome Michael Edward stevens Welcome, Michael. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: No, no, thank you so much for joining. Um, so to kick things straight off, could you just explain a little bit about what We Create Space is and why you felt the world needed a platform like yours?
1: Sure. Uh, you did a great job of introducing it, so thank <laughs> you. Um, we are, as you said, a global collective of LGBTQ change makers, um, really kind of empowering our communities, organisations um, with tools, knowledge, And a support network for self-care personal growth and this kind of concept of queer leadership and why did i set it up well uh i guess i spent most of my life working through my internal issues and struggles alone um so whether it be struggles with my sexuality my mental health identity um addiction is also part of my story um and i guess like relationships as well and I found that there was not only a lack of easily accessible information and relevant conversations happening, but also a lack of just preventative well-being solutions and spaces that resonated with me personally. I often felt a bit like the only time I could ask for help or seek support was when I was in crisis. Um, and really a lot of my Learned behaviours and coping mechanisms played out in the workplace where I spent most of my time. And so um, it's, it's kind of really important uh, that we uh, not only kind of, I guess, address the, the kind of personal needs of the queer community, but also the professional ones. And I guess with We Create Space, we try to celebrate the diversity Uh, and the unique strengths of the community Um, and just try and have a bit of fun although this work is quite serious it doesn't need to be heavy and and dry Uh, so yeah with my team we really just try and bring a bit of colour and creativity to everything that we do.
0: Lovely lovely so you mentioned really that it's kind of uh, you know your personal demons that kind of led to you and your personal challenges, life challenges you've had to overcome, to led you to starting We Create Space. But what was your journey up until starting We Create Space like? Like, you know, I saw that you had quite an eclectic career. Could you tell us a little bit about kind of what you were doing prior to starting We Create Space?
1: Yeah. So for about ten years before, I worked in a fairly kind of corporate environments to a certain extent. Although I was um, in kind of creative roles, so I actually started my career uh, in the fashion industry, having done a fine art degree and then went into publishing and worked for uh, a couple of magazines um, in the UK. One's called ID Magazine, one's called Vice, uh, and I was there for about two and a half years managing their creative projects and assisting the editor-in-chief with, with uh, his personal projects as well. Um, And then really kind of got into graphic design while I was there. um, And that led me to Liberty, uh, where I was, uh, it's the department store. I was there for um, about two and a half years as well, worked my way up to head of graphic design there. And then stayed kind of in the kind of fashion world, but went more kind of high street and went to kind of Ted Baker. I was there uh, for a couple of years as their kind of head of creative, and then ended up at Virgin Atlantic as their kind of creative director um, and I was there for a, about a year and a half as well. Wow, so that, quite varied. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's quite the array of work experience you've had. You've been at quite a, a lot of places to be honest. Um, yeah, sorry, did you, uh, you know, when you were growing up, did you always know you wanted to work in the creative industry? You know, what was your, what was your upbringing like
1: as a child? Yeah, I was always quite creative. Um, I, had, I have four older brothers and they were all creative as well. They all did kind of fine art, um, art foundations. And really, I spent a lot of time with my brothers. Uh, my parents are a bit older. Um, so I was born actually on my dad's 50th birthday. And so uh, my brothers actually kind of really supported my mum with With bringing me up and uh we used to you know draw a lot and i was always kind of interested in in fashion i think i was always kind of sketching a lot of the time actually in secret i was doing these (laughs) kind of like fashion sketches and uh i guess i understood that that wasn't maybe what i was supposed to be doing um and it that kind of yeah that just led me to really exploring photography and looking to kind of magazines for inspiration. So yeah, I had quite a, uh, I guess quite an average (laughs) upbringing to a certain extent. Um, you know, I have very loving family, like I said, quite a a big family, uh, quite a lot of testosterone (laughs) flying around. (laughs) And I think that probably didn't necessarily support me with the kind of coming out process. I I didn't come out until I was 19 and felt, I don't know, just like that wasn't going to be accepted, Um, even though, you know, it was in the end Uh, when I, when I did, when I did finally come out, um, my family were incredibly supportive, but really for many years before, since I was, you know, probably since I was about four years old, I I realized that I was gay. And from about seven, started hiding it. And so for many years, probably like, yeah, 15 years, uh, really kind of just hiding that part of myself, because I believed that it would cause conflict with with those around me especially kind of the, my kind of primary caregivers and so my parents and I was bullied you know like a lot of children and uh, it yeah it really did I guess impact me to a certain extent it, it made me think that I needed to prove myself and for me I did that through achievement really and I was under the impression that when I would reach that moment of success, whatever that was, that's when I would finally probably be accepted. Uh, that didn't really come because the, I guess the, the kind of, yeah, the, it just kept moving the the goalposts really um, and the expectations that I kept setting myself. So, I think i ha- I came from a very high achieving family as well, so there was always this um, not competition really, but there was always uh just my brothers that you know I'd looked up to and that you kind of wanted to to be seen yeah alongside them as well yeah yeah
0: that's um you know that's interesting saying you have to hide who you are from a young age, and I'm sure that's kind of a story that many members of the gay community could relate to. Um, And you kind of, you later described that you suffer from mental health problems and mental health awareness is clearly of something which is of huge importance to you. But what was your experience of mental health been and how has that impacted your career in any way?
1: Yeah. So I, (laughs) before, uh, okay, where do I start here? (laughs) So mental health has massively impacted my whole life, to be honest. Uh, I didn't realize it was mental health before. Um, but you know, I developed an eating disorder from quite a young age from yeah, not long after I turned, I think about 10, I started overeating and binging and really using food as a coping mechanism for all of that internalized stress. And, when I got to age 15, I was not only being bullied for being gay, I was also being bullied for being fat. And so one summer I decided that I was just going to lose the weight. And I discovered really that I could get the same psychological pleasure that I got from binging, from starving myself. And so the tables kind of turned and I then Started restricting. I started over-exercising. I lost a lot of weight within just a few months, and actually, you know, came back. It was one of those kind of glow-up moments after a summer <laughs> holiday. You know, you turn up and like, who is this? Um, <laughs> and I started getting a lot of attention then, like positive attention, and I used to get a lot of compliments, and I liked that because I had never had that before, and that validation really was the the start of my downfall because it became like an addiction really you I wanted more of that like why why can't i have more of that that makes me feel good that makes the the fact that i'm hiding this part of myself seem less important because everyone's focusing on other things so, you know, I, I started really caring about what clothes I wore because people complimented me on those. And suddenly then my whole world became about aesthetics and no wonder <laughs> I fit, I fitted right in in the fashion industry. And um, that then just was exasperated really because then that became my career. I was then getting paid to be very critical of aesthetics and you can just imagine like if if I'm being hypercritical about my work, how I'm speaking to myself. And um, I then, yeah, just became very fixated on kind of food and body image, really up until about age, I think it was about 28, when I had been going through this complete flux of just binging and, and Starving myself, and uh, I just I'd lost lots of relationships because I had to hide that I I was you know not eating. So I'd always make up excuses why I couldn't go and um, go out for dinner, or all of this, and and relationships ended because people thought that I was cheating. Sometimes they thought I was flaky. So it started impacting all areas of my life really you know I couldn't go for lunches with my work colleagues I'd always make up an excuse it got I started a new job and it just got so much the the kind of hiding of that um it was like I'd come out of one closet and into another if I'm honest and that's that's been like kind of like my whole life really um and so I finally went to the the doctors and thankfully started getting some some treatment for that I don't think you ever get over an eating disorder because it's always going to be there, a coping mechanism. But really what what I've been focusing on is becoming more aware of those thoughts and yeah, developing more healthy, yeah, healthier coping mechanisms and understanding my triggers as well. (laughs) And really just being more at peace with that part of, of myself. Um, You know, I also, for many years uh struggled with kind of alcohol and drugs addiction because that was another way of me self-soothing really um it was a very easily accessible mechanism and you know i was i was young and i found myself in the party scene and i also working in a an industry which very much supports that as well so yeah, these are all kind of mental health challenges that individuals within the community often face. And then just really most recently, uh, on the back of just this, I guess, constant need for more, which took my career to another level where I thought I was at the pinnacle of my career. Like I had my dream job. And then I ended up burning out, Uh, just totally ran out of energy, physically, mentally, emotionally. And I actually had to leave my job and I had to leave London because I couldn't afford to stay, leave all my friends and everything that I had (laughs) worked really hard for to accumulate and all the things that I used to define who I was suddenly then all being packed up in boxes. And I didn't have a clue who I was and I didn't have, a clue how I was going to get my life back on track, and so I entered this period of depression on the back of that, thinking, "Gosh, now I've I've just ruined my life." Um, so again, kind of another mental health challenge, but really that was the, the turning point for me. That was where I was forced to understand really like the root cause of of the the issues that i was facing not just the the things that were kind of appearing on the surface but really stripping away all of the layers um and it was it turned into kind of like a journey of like liberation if i'm honest um yeah and that's kind of what led me to 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 creating we create space
0: yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing that story with us because it's so fascinating to hear your journey over the years and all the the struggles you've had to overcome and and by the sounds and looks of things you've overcome them fantastically and it's so good to see you now in such a strong position. It's hard yeah, to you imagine. Don't that.
1: get you don't get all of that on LinkedIn do you? <laughs> no
0: no no but you know it's telling us that now it's hard to believe that you're in that place because what I see now and what, what we're listening to is you know so positive but I think ultimately um, a lot of Perhaps these, where these issues are spiralled from, is from society telling you that you can't be this person from from a young age. And I feel like often social media is society in general, and it kind of tells people that they need to look or act in a certain way. And this ultimately has a huge effect on on people's mental health. Um, so, what are your thoughts on social media, and how important is it for you to convey a positive message over weaker space social channels?
1: Yeah, I guess there was no social media when I was growing up, um, but there was the media and the messages around queer people, um, gay people specifically, was this message around HIV and, and AIDS. And um, that was really what what kind of drove a lot of people into, into fear. I think especially kind of, you know, my parents. And I, I remember seeing that on kind of the... In the newspapers, I mean, people were kind of, I mean, it was, (laughs) it was, it was sick a lot of the time. I mean, the, the, the adverts around kind of gravestones for, for kind of gay men. And um, you can just see kind of how that influenced a perception. Um, So I think nowadays, yes, social media is incredibly powerful there's a lot of kind of misinformation out there, but at least individuals are able to get information from sources as opposed to uh, it being somewhat watered down by kind of um, yeah media platforms. Um, for me personally, I used social media to share some of my own story initially and, and gauge whether or not. People were interested in what I had to say and um, thankfully they were a bit. Yeah. And (laughs) that's kind of how I started, really. I just started sharing information that people didn't necessarily know about me and information that I thought was important to to give a, a kind of a real view on on what was happening in my life as opposed to just you know the select um images and the select kind of highlights um and really I think storytelling is is just such a powerful tool it's it's a way for us to relate to each other but also learn from from other people's lived experiences as well um so for us that kind of really is is the backbone of everything that we do on our social channels it's around kind of sharing other people's stories
0: yeah yeah social media is definitely the most powerful influencer out there at the moment and you know you can either look at it in a negative light or you can focus on the positive aspects of social media and with we create space all it is is conveying a positive message for people to feel safe with who they are um, so we create Space is a big focus on queer leadership, but could you kind of explain what is queer leadership and, and why is it important?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> queer leadership isn't just about kind of LGBTQ plus representation or visibility, even kind of achievement or hierarchy. So what's on the outside, essentially. For us, really, it's about looking inwards, uh, practicing leadership at every level in a way that enables all of us as human beings to thrive both personally and professionally. So we often kind of say it's about kind of celebrating our unique strengths as individuals. It's about prioritizing authenticity, embracing our queerness, listening to our bodies is really important making sure we're communicating with compassion and fundamentally it's about kind of transforming our state of awareness so that we're able to challenge the status quo really um yeah yeah
0: not not shying away from who you are really um yeah but on your leadership programs as well you have a huge focus on self-care um what does self-care mean and what advice do you give to people who want to practice self-care and work on themselves a bit more
1: yeah, so self care has lots of different definitions. I think uh, for me, it's about taking care of my mind, body, and soul. And by soul, I mean kind of like emotion and spiritual well being. Um, it's incredibly subjective. Obviously, what works for me might not work for you. So it's about trying things out and just seeing what works, <laughs> what 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 you connect with, and. Fun. I really believe it's about having fun as well. I think you have to enjoy what you're doing. I don't think you should feel pressured into doing anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, fantastic. Um, so kind of talking a bit more about We Create Space and the fact that it's a non-profit organisation, that must be difficult to start up a non organisation. How did you go about getting funding in the early days? How did you finance the, the business?
1: Well, yeah, so I funded it myself. Um, I was very fortunate to have had some savings after I left my previous job. And initially I used those savings to just recover myself, like heal, uh, physically. Um, and then I used the rest, yeah, to start this, this business. I've been very kind of fortunate to have support of my parents as well. Um, and, just who have allowed me to kind of live in their house with them while I've been starting this business and really the support of friends as well. And just the whole team really, who have just come on board and who've dedicated their kind of time and energy. So it's been long, long hours and, uh, I probably haven't taken enough time for myself, but I also just didn't realize how intense it would be to start my own business i think there's a lot of things that just go kind of unseen when when uh, embarking on a project like this um but i enjoy every single day and get to kind of you know manage my own schedule which is awesome
0: yeah yeah and it must have been you know very challenging to decide you know, now I want to set this up. But how did you? When did you know it was the right time to to start We Create Space? Did it ever feel like the right time?
1: So I had the initial idea uh, probably like over three years ago, and it was really through constant development. Things just changed all the time. Uh, the idea just kept kind of transforming itself and. Really, it was once I let go of this idea, then it started to flourish because then it really just took a life of its own and was able to follow its own course to a certain extent. And yeah. um, I stopped trying to control it into being something that I'd, you know, <laughs> thought it it needed to be. And that's kind of what's so beautiful about it. Now I never would have guessed that this is what it would look like yeah it's, so, taken, it's taken its natural path yeah and yeah i i don't know where it's going <laughs> to a certain extent yeah
0: yeah, yeah. well you, clearly you built such an amazing community and a team and there's so many people involved in we create spaces it's beautiful to see really but how do you make sure you're seen and recognized by others and do you have any initiatives to find a new team members and for more people getting getting on board
1: yeah If you don't ask, you won't get. That's kind of how I roll. I mean, I just reach out to people on social all the time. I just send people emails. I'm always just trying to have meetings just to try and chat to people. And you never know when a project's going to come up where that person could be perfect for it. Um, I think initially as well, it's through conversations that you really get to explore like the the true kind of mission of the business as well because practicing that kind of introduction is really important as well so the more that you can kind of actually talk it out um the more that someone's gonna probably you know talk to their network about it and so hopefully word of mouth is is kind of um yeah word of mouth should be kind of one of your focuses for expanding that awareness yeah i love the ethos and mentality
0: you seem to have with no real plan and just letting it kind of take its natural direction and what will be will be and if you don't ask you don't get and it's it's, it's great um because you you mentioned you don't know what the future of we create space is but that is actually my next question where do you see the future <laughs> of we create space
1: yeah so i do have obviously some some ambitions and yeah. where I want to see it go I mean to date we've actually put like over five thousand people through our our virtual programs, which is awesome oh, fantastic. And we've recruited I think like over three hundred global leaders change makers ambassadors um, from our who am I leadership program we've just launched a new uh A new webinar series powered by zoom called queer perspectives and it's all about empowering communities through conversation uh we've also we're working on a book working on a conference lots of exciting partnerships i think i might give my podcast (laughs) some more love next year as well um and we've actually just got a merchandise range just come out as well so there is lots in the pipeline Um, (laughs) for me it's about kind of making every day really just a bit of fun um it's about connecting with people on a a deeper level and and just working together to drive change for lgbtq plus people really um where i see it going i would love to kind of take it more global if possible i would love to develop some technology alongside what we're doing um yeah Wow,
0: it all sounds very exciting. To be honest, I I can't wait to see where where it takes you, really, and how you know how much the community can grow. Because it's definitely such a positive message and helps so many people. It's you know it's exciting to be honest. Um, so kind of one final question, really, is what do you hope the next generation of queer leaders will look like?
1: Oh, I hope that they don't have to necessarily deal with some of the stuff that we have had to deal with um my generation and, and the generations before me and that they can actually enjoy uh some of the the hard work that's been put in to fight for the rights of queer people fight for the the equality um that that we kind of deserve really um there's still a lot to do and with certain countries very much kind of um in their early stages of, of kind of fighting for, for those rights. But I think I would love to see more kind of representation within mainstream media, within kind of TV as well, but also just in everyday jobs. I think it's just important for us to be able to see queer success and not have to feel as though that is, an outstanding achievement to be getting into into that position it should just be that is <laughs> you non- know the case exactly
0: of course of course for sure well michael thank you so much for joining us today it's honestly been fascinating hearing your story and i'm sure our audience will have benefited massively from from hearing what you have to say um do you have any social media channels that you'd like to plug our listeners into if they wanted to reach out and, and ask more questions
1: sure you can follow myself uh, at michael edward stevens And you can follow us at WeCreateSpace.co as well.
0: Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks again. I'll speak to you soon.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye.
0: We hope you've enjoyed listening to Passion and Hustle podcast. If you want to find out more from the speakers or what we do here at Westminster Enterprise Network, then head over to our social media channels at underscore we network. With new episodes being released every two weeks, you'll be able to continue listening and getting inspired along your own journey of bringing your passion project to life.